All right. Hello, everyone. This is Francesca, and this is episode 17 of my podcast, Let Me Take You on a Psychology Adventure. This episode, we're talking about the psychology of attractiveness and the way of thinking of people who are attractive, who have a special magnetism for those around them. So we're going to take, we're also going to talk about the difference between attraction and love. So let's start with attraction. It doesn't matter how smart you are, how beautiful you are, how rich you are. If you don't know how to make yourself attractive in the eyes of others, they will not see it. There are a lot of people that are rich that are not attractive. There are a lot of people that are beautiful and still there's something about them that doesn't make them attractive. Attractiveness is a game of psychology. It doesn't have to do with looks. Or looks can be very temporary. But if you feel like that person doesn't have that substance, that charisma, and they're just a beautiful face, they are not attractive. In fact, you will be able to understand that people are prone to be attracted to someone who decodes their minds and needs. And I'm talking about that deep, long-lasting attraction. So you just need to understand how people's minds work, what their desires are what they like and what they don't like. It's something subjective. You can influence it emotionally through what you say and what you do. When analyzing a person, in order to be attractive to them, you must take into account four things. So the first one is a special desire for that person. For example, Someone may want to be famous or popular or, you know, they have a repressed sexuality and they really want to explore that, but they don't know they do. So find a special desire for that person. The second component is a predominant need for that person. So we're going to talk about Maslow's hierarchy of needs in a bit later. But you have to discover what is the deepest need of that person. For example, for some people, it is safety. For others, it is connection. For others, it's love or feeling seen, feeling understood. If you become a source of meeting that need, the person becomes addicted to you. For this, you have to look into their childhoods and see what was missing in their childhood. And we're going to explore this a bit later because you'll find for yourself what you were missing in your childhood and why you are attracted to certain kind of people as well. So the third one is a hidden fear that that person has. Fear of failing, fear of being rejected, fear of looking stupid. If you manage to justify their fears or their failures and make them feel good about themselves and use this fear, obviously in an ethical way, they will become very addicted to you. The fourth one is an objective that motivates that person. 
being a successful business owner or being an amazing mother or father, you know, success is defined differently for everyone. It's really important to find what is the ideal identity for that person. So what does their ideal self look like? So for instance, personally, all my childhood, I really wanted to be funny because I saw people that are funny as superior. And I also had a few experiences where I felt like I wasn't funny. Maybe I told a joke and no one laughed or uh, people, people made, kids made fun of me when I was in school and I made a certain joke. So, you know, for me, an ideal self was to be funny. So now when someone sees me as funny, I really, really appreciate that person for seeing that in me because it validates my ideal self. For others, it could be another identity, like you're a great mother or you're a great father. So find what is their ideal identity and validate them. If you know these things, you can easily understand which are the engines that move people. What makes a person be attracted to something or move away from something? And you want to make people come to you. So you need to understand what moves them, what drives them, what makes them emotional. So I get this a lot on my, in my comments. Like, why would I want to make people like me? I should just be myself, be completely 100% authentic. And, you know, people that like me should come to me and that's it. And that's true. I completely agree with that. You, the people that are in your life and love you should love you for your authentic self. But in life, if you want to be successful in any area, you need people around you. You need people to like you, whether it's business, whether it's just your job. You need your boss to like you. You need your colleagues. You need your part, business partners to like you. Any area, if you're a musician, if you're an artist, whatever it is, you need people. So if you are 100% authentic all the time, it could be counterproductive. Because even though it's good to be authentic with the people that are closest to you, like your lover, your family, and maybe even sometimes in those situations, it's not productive to be 100% yourself. So when someone says, this is me, I don't want to change, what they show me is that they're not flexible. They're extremely rigid in their way of thinking. And you'll see, and we'll explore this in, other, in future podcasts as well, that we have more archetypes inside of us. We're not just one big piece and this is our whole personality. So for instance, um, let's say, you know, the uh, archetypes like the king, the magician. So let's say you're the king archetype. You're not only the king archetype. You also have other parts of you. You're flexible. You can also be in the friend role. You can also be in the husband role. And it's important that you are able to take the qualities that you have in one role and change completely into the other role. So for instance, let's say right now I'm in the role of the trainer and I teach you stuff. But when I'm in the role of the daughter, these qualities that are that I have in this role are not productive 
for when I'm in the daughter role. You know, if I were a rigid person, I would say, well, this is who I am and they should, everyone should just accept me as I am. But in this situation, the only person that has to lose is you. And it's very, it's an incredible quality to be able to be flexible. It's kind of like an actor that plays different roles. They know who they are, but they play different roles in their life. Maybe they play the beggar role in one movie. Maybe they play the king role in the other movie because this is what gets them results. And this is what you want. As I said, if you want to be successful in any area of your life, you need to learn what role, what qualities that you already have inside of you. Because if you don't have them inside of you, you wouldn't even be able to express them. You need to express in that specific role. Don't be rigid. Be as flexible as you can. There is an important premises in NLP that says that the most flexible component of a mechanism has the most influence on that mechanism. So in order to amplify the attractiveness of a person, it's also necessary to remember some key principles. One, people want others that are desired. If a person is not wanted by others, then no one wants them. So if you want to be attractive in the eyes of someone, you have to be attractive to a lot of people. There is no strategy to be attractive only to one person. It is necessary to see that people accept you and want you by their side in order to make a person want you in their life. If they don't see that others want you, then that person won't want you either. It is especially true for people that are on the social needs level of Maslow's hierarchy, and we're going to talk about this later. People are easily influenced by what others want or think because they want to be accepted in the group. So you'll see this, for instance, a lot in high school. There is that popular kid that everyone wants. Maybe you personally weren't even attracted at first because maybe they weren't even that great, but because everyone wants them, you want them as well. We want what others want. And here, what you can do for yourself, for example, is create the illusion that a lot of people want you or use the techniques that I'm giving you in this podcast or other podcasts to actually make people like you. The second one is... We don't want things that we can obtain with no effort. So this principle says that if gold was more usual than stones, then it would have no value. Whatever is valuable in this life is rare. It is difficult to obtain. It is always busy when you're free. It is always focused on a goal and you want it close to you. This principle must be used wisely, of course, and in a balanced and ethical way. Something like, I could only see you on Tuesday because I have something important to do on every other day. You suggest that something is more important than that meeting. If you're available to people all the time, they start to take you for granted and they don't appreciate your time anymore. We need to feel like we're putting in effort to obtain something in order to appreciate it. There was an experiment done on a group of males where one who, uh, so there was one group 
that went over a shaky bridge and the other group went over to went over on a normal bridge so it was a stable one at the end of which there was a woman and they had to ask for her number so they found that the men that went over the shaky bridge which was more dangerous were more likely to call the woman the next day our mind says that if i put in effort for that person they must be important they must be valuable the third one is everyone is attracted to happy people this key is perhaps the most important in the law of attraction if you are not happy without someone making you happy then you have no power of attraction happiness is the most powerful magnet that attracts people around you neither happiness and unhappiness are objects that you just find on the street or spontaneous events or moments of life happiness and unhappiness are just messages just like hunger like thirst like feeling of excitement and so on it's just that happiness and unhappiness are not simple messages these are the most important messages that you receive from inside of you they are not messages evaluating the amount of food you need but messages that evaluate whether your way of thinking is right or wrong because as you know your thoughts create emotions that leads to what you feel to your actions and so on the same way hunger tells you something about your body so you know if the body needs fuel or food or not to get rid of hunger you need to eat if you feel like you're hungry while cleaning the office even if you continue to clean up you're still hungry you will have to eat that's it you have to do the right thing for yourself you will have to understand exactly the message of hunger and stop what you're doing and start eating and is the same with happiness when you are really unhappy you need to stop what you're doing find those things that make you happy and on top of that actually start doing them so this is funny because if i ask my clients or if i ask my friends do you know what makes you sad they'll give me a list of 20 things just on the spot but if i ask them do you know what makes you happy they barely struggle to come up with m- maybe like three or four things We know what makes us sad and what triggers us and we know we know what we need to do to make ourselves sad but we don't know what to do to make ourselves happy. Now, after you get your list, so I actually invite you to write the list of what makes you happy. It's important to actually implement them because a lot of people even if they know that going out going into nature dancing taking a hot shower whatever it is makes them happy if you ask them how many times a day do you actually do that they'll be like um maybe once a month so most people complicate this topic of happiness too much it's plain simple all you have to do today is to start doing the things that make you happy it just makes it just means taking responsibility for the fact that you are the one responsible for your own happiness or unhappiness and some people don't want that because then they can blame it on something else 
Most people start a relationship to get rid of loneliness. I know this because I was one of them and I also asked others as well. I did a poll on my Instagram a few weeks ago and over 75% of the answers were something like, we want a relationship so that we are not alone. So fear of loneliness is the engine for many people. But why don't you want to be alone? Ask yourself. This is actually the most important question. Give yourself an answer to this question. How will you feel when you're alone? In fact, behind loneliness is the feeling of unhappiness that occurs when you are alone. So if I'm alone, I'm unhappy. Then it is true that if I'm with someone, I am happy. That sounds logical, right? But it is the same kind of logic that my seven-year-old brother uses when he's talking to my grandma about goats. Alex, my brother, um, <laughs> had a very funny conversation with my grandma. And my grandma was like, Alex, goats have horns, they have eyes, and they have a beard, says my grandma. And my brother logically analyzes and says, they have beards, and men have beards, so goats are men, right? <laughs> if I'm unhappy and alone, then I'll be happy with someone. It's the same kind of logic. Loneliness is actually the test of happiness. If you want to check if you are happy or not, then stay alone for a few days to a few weeks even. I was talking before about the fact that a person's happiness is the magnet that attracts others. Beyond wealth and intelligence, everyone knows that it is difficult to be happy. So happiness is the most valuable currency. If you want a relationship, as long as you are not happy alone, then actually you only want to beg for a little happiness from your partner's happiness. The purpose of a relationship is not to take from your partner what you don't have. It is to, to, is to build something together, like you're already happy and they're already happy, so your happiness amplifies together. If you're both unhappy, then your happiness as a couple, if you're both happy, then your happiness as a couple will be great. But if only one of you knows how to be happy, then the other and the other doesn't, then the unhappy person will suck all the happiness from the other, will manipulate them emotionally and will say to them, um, if you love me, then you need to make me happy in this and this way. And a lot of times, actually, both people are unhappy and they expect to be to have a happy relationship, but both of them are unhappy. This is the funniest thing to me. I, and I ask them, like, are you happy alone? And they say no. Well, how do you expect to be happy together? A relationship is what has the energy that both people bring on the table. So what every person brings to the table, this is what the relationship will look like. So if you bring unhappiness, like both people bring unhappiness, how do you expect the relationship to look like? There is also a big difference between sexual attraction and love. So to make it simple, love is the emotion that allows you to sacrifice for the other. And attraction is the emotion that makes you want the other. It makes you want to desire the other to be yours. 
And people's love can be separated on different levels of evolution. So, for instance, we can use Maslow's hierarchy. So first level is people who are mostly at the level of primary needs, physical needs. So these people, they really only feel the need to have something. The other is loved only if you give them what they need. So if you want this type of person to love you, you will have to give them what they need. If you don't love them anymore, they won't love you. So it's kind of like a trade. The second one is the level of safety needs. These people love only if they notice that they can rely on you. If you make their life safer, if you are trustworthy as a person. If you take a day off from making their life easier, then they will no longer love you and accuse you of betrayal or selfishness. The third level is people on the level of social needs. These people love you only if you are a social person. If you have many people that admire you, remember what we talked about earlier. If you're nobody, then um, you don't deserve their love either. But it is about their need to satisfy their own need to be known, to be popular. And they do this through you. If they want, if you want them to love you, it is enough to make them see you wanted by others. They are influenced by others' people, for, by other people's way of thinking and doing things. The fourth one is the need for respect. Um, so this is the fourth level of the hierarchy. These people love you if you follow their rules. If you want them to love you, then you have to put them on a pedestal, compliment them, make them feel intelligent, beautiful, like a demigod or a goddess. The fifth one and the last level of the hierarchy is self-actualization. So these are the only ones that really feel that unconditional love. Because until now, love was conditional. This is in most relationships. People on the level of self-actualization, they can feel that unconditional love that usually mothers feel for their babies. To, to awaken the love of such a person, you don't actually need to do anything. You just deserve it. It's kind of like, you know, you have a little baby. They don't need to do something for you to love them. So these people are actually very rare and we should all aim towards self-actualization level. But don't worry, please don't judge yourself. If you're at the first, second level, it doesn't matter. Instead of beating yourself up, accept, accept the level at which you are right now. And it's important to be honest with yourself. It is essential. And work with yourself to give yourself what you feel like you want others to give you. For a very long time, I was personally on the safety need of the hierarchy. I didn't feel safe by myself and I felt like I needed someone else to provide that safety for me. Some other people are on the first level and they don't even meet their own physical needs. They don't eat properly, they don't sleep, they're financially dependent on others. So they can't even live on their own or pay their own bills because they don't have enough money. This is the first level. So, you know, if you 
as a kid, of course, you're at the first level. But if you don't manage to be financially independent, to provide for yourself, to meet your physical needs, you cannot move on to the other levels of the hierarchy. And as I said, it's important to be honest with yourself and see at which level you are and start from the bottom up to meet your basic needs. There's also another extremely important component of attraction. We talked more in in detail on other podcasts about this, but I'm going to briefly go again over how our childhood influences to whom we are attracted to. So the way your parents treated you as a child is what you perceived love to look like. Now, Let's do a simple exercise with everyone that's here listening live, or maybe you'll listen to this recorded podcast later. So this will help you to figure out what you felt as a kid. So I'll invite you to close your eyes for a minute and take a comfortable position and just breathe in a couple of times and just imagine yourself as a kid and bring your mom and your dad in the picture. Notice what you feel, what you see, what is happening. Are your parents hugging you or are they standing in front of you? Do you feel like they're meeting your emotional needs? Do you feel understood? Do you feel loved? And you can slowly open your eyes. Many times, even though our parents love us, they don't know how to express that love. And a lot of them don't have the emotional maturity to sit with our emotions. They're emotionally unavailable. You can open your eyes if you didn't already. So notice how you felt in that exercise. This is the feeling that you associate with love. And for example, if your parents are emotionally unavailable, you will look for partners that are emotionally unavailable because you associate that with love. If you had the luck to have emotionally available persons, parents that really show their affection, then you're very lucky and you'll probably look for partners that are the same. So what you need to do is to become your own parents. If you're older than 18 years old, you're an adult and you can start becoming your own mother and father. We all have an inner child and... What you felt in this exercise is what your inner, inner child feels, not the adult inside of you. For instance, if you don't feel safe or you feel like you need someone, you're dependent on someone, it's not the adult that has those needs. It's the little girl or the little boy inside of you. So you start becoming your own parent by first meeting your most basic needs by feeding yourself, sleeping properly, just hugging or touching yourself, and then raising up on the hierarchy. 
change your inner dialogue from a critical one to a loving one. And just a psychology interesting fact um, that you can know is that the inner dialogue that we have with ourselves is the dialogue that one of our parents had with us. So if your mom was always like critical or your dad was always pushing you to do more or that you're never enough, you need to achieve more or comparing you to others, this is the kind of dialogue that you took and that you have with yourself. But the good news is that you can start changing it slowly. Say, shut up, mom, shut up, dad. I'm worthy of being lovable. I'm allowed to make mistakes. And start talking to yourself just as if a loving mother or a loving father was talking to you. So remember when we talked about happiness? Start doing little things that make you happy. It doesn't have to be anything complicated or big. It can be as simple as wrapping yourself up in a blanket. So remember, this is the physical needs, for instance. So a lot of times, for instance, when I'm going through a really hard period or a hard time, I can do this very, very simple thing. I just go inside a blank. I just wrap myself up with a warm blanket and It takes me back to that feeling of childhood, of being protected. And then I automatically start feeling better. Oh, I have a caller. Okay. Let me see. Hello, Jenny. Hi. I'm really enjoying enjoying your show. It's the first time I've ever listened to you. Oh, I'm so happy. Welcome. Thank you. I just wanted to comment that it is these little things. For years, I've had a pattern of dishes that I just hated. I, mm-hmm. I don't know why I bought them. They made me mad. And okay. I'm in my kitchen and doing dishes all day long. So this year, I made the decision to pick out a pattern of dishes that I absolutely love with flowers, roses, oh. perfect mm-hmm. colors. And it is amazing how cheerful it has made my day. I love mm-hmm. washing the dishes. I love serving our, our meals. Mm-hmm. And it's just this one little thing. So I had to give you props for talking about simple things. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. Things. Yeah, congratulations. And yeah, this is a perfect example of what doing small things because people think, oh, I need to change the world. I need to be the first at, I don't know, no. a ma- math contest. Like, no, you can do this sm- small, simple things like buying a new set of beautiful dishes that can show yourself love, that can make you happy. Thank you so much for your comment. Yeah, thanks for taking my call. I'm going to keep listening. Thank you. So as I said, it doesn't have to be anything complicated. You can go to a walk, go for a walk. You can stay in the sun. You can eat something delicious. If you don't meet your basic needs, you won't be able to move on to the higher needs, like making a contribution in the world, because you won't have enough love inside yourself to offer to the world. It's like trying to pour water from an empty cup. You first need to fill yourself up with love so you can give to others as well. So this was the end of the podcast. If you have any other questions or contributions like Jenny had, I'll hang around for a few more minutes, a few more moments. You can also 
DM me on Instagram or here. I answer to all the DMs I get here on this app. You can also DM me on Instagram. If you have any propositions for the future podcasts, topics that you want me to talk about, you're welcome to share them with me because I want to make them specifically for you. All right. So if there are no questions, then thank you so much for listening to my podcast and have a beautiful day full of self-love. Bye.